Hey there, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. Now, if you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review so your friends know that this is a show that they can learn from. Follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. Now, enjoy this episode. All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, DIY Money Podcast slash YouTube. I am here with a special guest today. Uh, if you are if you are new to the podcast, well, then you're not, you know, you, you have no idea where we're coming from. If you're if you're not new, you know this is a, a new thing for us to to really take our YouTube game up up a notch. Usually they have red lights. You know, we're gonna have to get <laughs> red lights, which one to look at. But anyways, hey, I'm here with Will Levis. Le- Will Levis is uh, Unbelievable individual. First of all, I'm going to boost you up a little bit. I'm going to, your head's going to swallow a little bit, and I'm going to get comfortable in my chair. This is all kinds of different. Will is a University of Kentucky uh, student, uh, just transferred here from graduating Penn State University. He is in the running to be the starting quarterback for the University of Kentucky Wildcats football team. Uh, as a graduate, I am uh, biased uh, to the excitement of this year. It's going to be exciting. Uh, but welcome, Will, to the podcast, and I appreciate you being here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here, Quinn. All right. Well, listen, let's get right into it, first of all. Um, you come from a family of rock star athletes. So your mother, right, uh, all-American soccer player at Yale, your father played football at Denison. Yes. Your grandfather uh, was a three-sport athlete yes. at UMass. Yep. And your great-grandfather won an NCAA football championship at Cornell in yeah. 1939. If you can believe that, yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Was that Leather Helmet Day? I assume so, yeah. yeah, but, yeah, uh, it's, yeah. Just, it's just unbelievable to think that Cornell could win a national championship, you know, but now, times have let changed. Me, that has, that's interesting. Does, is your family from your lineage? Is that Are they from that area up in that northern? Yes. United, so my northern mother grew up with her family in Guilford, Connecticut, small shoreline town. We now reside in Madison, which is the town right next door. Okay. And then my father grew up in North Attleboro, Massachusetts, which is just an hour and a half drive uh, north up to Massachusetts. So. We got that New England connection, and we've yeah. been there ever since. So I'm from upstate New York, outside of Rochester. So when I went to high school, if you were uh, really smart, you went to Cornell. If you weren't so smart, you went to Syracuse. I was a uh, basketball and a horse racing fan, so I came to Kentucky. Nice, so that's nice. literally my story on how I got to the University of Kentucky. And it's truth. I mean, legitimately truth, but we don't need to go into that today. Um, but – I want to hear for those of you that are watching this. Um, we've gonna we're gonna have two kinds of audiences here, right? So we're gonna have the audience that is watching this because they want to get to know you. So I'm gonna do you justice. I'm gonna make sure we get to know Will Levis. I want. I'm sure the Wildcat Nation wants to, wants to hear from you and learn all about you. But then we're gonna have our loyal DIY money following. And they're going to be, and I'm sure already, wondering why I'm having you on this podcast. So tell us a little bit about your background at Penn State, what you graduated with, what your major was, what you're doing here, et cetera. Yep. So my journey at Penn State started with my recruiting process. Obviously, had a lot of great uh, options to play football at. My recruiting process started a little later than most other college quarterbacks, especially they usually want to get their commits pretty early, and that's kind of what starts the recruiting class, helps with getting other guys. I didn't really come onto the scene until the summer after my junior year of high school, so that already kind of limited the schools that I was able to look at seriously. 
and um, got some looks, uh, started picking up some traction with schools, and then eventually Penn State uh, hit me up and told me that they were looking for a quarterback and knew right away that that was a school I was interested in. When I was coming out of high school, um, it wasn't just a football decision. It, I wanted to make it based on my education, the social life I was going to have, because after all, I mean, we all we are still college students. We yeah. want to have a good time when we're at college and also proximity to home. And it's not too far from Connecticut, and if you want to play um, – football at a high level and you're from that area Penn State's probably your best bet so but you but you but you graduate but you got graduated with what what was your degree in I graduated in three years in my bachelor in finance yeah so, so you're yeah. a finance degree that's yes. what I, that's what I was driving home oh, okay that's, I was gonna no, get no, no. there was it was good there, it was but, good yeah. I mean we got the whole background of, of, of the recruiting process but the reality is from a DIY money perspective you have already graduated magna cum laude uh, four GPA, pretty close or three nine five. Okay, well, some some probably probably modeling, financial modeling. Yeah. Where, what was yeah. the B in? Uh, actually, my first class I ever took at Penn State was an English class, and right out, came right out of the gate after graduating high school. A week early, a week later, getting a C minus on a paper, and there was no coming back from that. There is no coming <laughs> got back. back from got that. up to an A minus, but don't, that kind of got Don't you me worry. Off track. Will, here's the deal. <laughs> I I have published two books. One of them by Prentice Hall, and I literally, I'm that guy who in college, an English professor said, do not write. Like, never write. (laughs) So you don't have to worry about that. So 395, uh, graduate Penn State in finance in three years. So let's talk about this a little bit, because you have a history of being a ridiculous student. So you you had uh, uh, 4.0 at Xavier High School. Uh, all four years, not all four years. How, how, uh, what was your overall GPA at Xavier or do you know? I it was, mean, it was a little over a four. I think with, I think there was a opportunities to get over a four. So I, I was a little over a four, a so, little over a yeah. four. So academics, very, very high priority in your life. Now, where did that, where did that come from? I mean, obviously your mom graduated Yale yes. and your father's Denison and yes. this Ivy league thread goes back a long yes. way, but where, I mean, tell me about that growing up in that, in that environment. I, I grew, definitely grew up in a very competitive environment and I think it just was more of my nature other than people around me pushing me. Uh, I was very hard headed growing up. I wanted to be the best at whatever I could do, whether it was Mad minutes in fourth grade, finishing them faster than everyone, anyone else, or just what are mad minutes? What is that? You remember those when sitting in elementary school, so you only have, have a minute those. multiplication tables. Everyone's sweating to get okay, them done. You got to okay. finish them. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, like I said, I, I just want anything I do. I want to be the best I can be at it, and that came hand in hand with academics and um, had a high focus on it ever from the start, and that kind of just carried me throughout the rest of my career. And I'm glad I started off with that mentality, and my parents were there to help me along the way, and um, just kind of carried through with me. So. You have three sisters. Yes. And where are they in ages to you? So they have, we have three in a row. So there's one that's going to be a sophomore um, at Central Connecticut State. She plays lacrosse there. One that's going to be a junior at UW Wisconsin or UW Madison, Wisconsin. And then me, I'm going to my fourth year in college at Kentucky. And then there's one that's going to be an eighth grader. So a little bit of a gap there. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah. So she's not quite in high school yet, but she's getting there. And um, I think she's going to be the best athlete, best athlete of all of really? us. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. So uh, – you're the oldest. Yes. Okay. So you grew up in a house with, let's say, two, three. I mean, you had three, but the, your youngest, your youngest, or the youngest sister was quite a bit younger than you are, right? Yes. Eighth grade. So that's like my son's age. That's thirteen. How old is she? Yeah, thirteen. Thirteen years old. And you're how old? I uh, twenty two. Twenty two. So that's pretty good. Pretty good age gap. So it was a long time, and then all of a sudden you got another one in diapers. But your family lineage has this history of success. 
you you told me a little bit about your grandfather before the podcast, but what I what I want to get at is how has that how has that passed through the lines? Does that make sense? Yes. So I mean, this is ab- it's, it's abnormal, but it's not. I mean, you look at the the Manning family or some of these other great athletic families; they go back multiple generations. What is it in the family that makes the dynamic continue and not completely fall apart? Yeah, I think that. Football has been a part of my life ever since I was a kid. Um, not only did my grandfather play in college, he ended up coaching defensive line and was a co-defensive coordinator at Yale as well. And he stopped coaching pretty much um, right around when I was a little kid. So I, don't, I didn't get to see him coach, but they actually were our next-door neighbors for pretty much my whole childhood. So spending a lot of time over there, seeing all the pictures, all the awards, all the championships, and going to Yale games growing up. And my uncle played there as well. And just being in that environment, um, I pretty much had no choice but to play football. It's not like they pushed me into it, but it's something that I just love from the start. And my love for football turned into a love for basketball, baseball, anything I get my hands on, lacrosse. And it's just something that all my, me and my sisters all kind of glommed onto. And not something that was necessarily forced on us, but just something that was inherent to our family and something that we all valued a lot and something that we all love doing. That's great. So I'm trying to think of, I've got three boys, uh, 14, 12, and 11. Two of them are competitive swimmers, so we swim uh, around. So it's kind of... One of those things where um, we're always at an event, we're always at a practice. We're you know we're running and gunning. I mean, was that your household as well? I can't. I, yeah. It has to be like that. I mean, everyone's moving. Very rare that we'd had the whole family together at once. That's why whenever we did, we wanted to cherish it, have that family family dinner together. But whether it was a lacrosse tournament for my sister or a baseball tournament for me, um, I, I owe my parents so much sacrifice they made, which whatever it was getting our gear growing up or driving us around to all these places. Um, it was definitely very hectic, but it, it ultimately brought us all together. Now, I mean, you you basically, your breakout, you, you mentioned this a little bit. You said you were, you were uh, recruited later. So you had a breakout at a camp or something, right? What was it, the... You were ranked number one in the in the. It was uh, the rival, or not the rival, the Nike opening camp, I think. Yeah. yeah so tell us about that. I mean, because something changed, right? I mean, all of a sudden you came back from that camp. It was a New Jersey regional yep. or something like that, yes. and all of a sudden it was crazy recruiting frenzy, right? Yes. So I mean, being from Connecticut, obviously not the biggest hotbed football recruiting state in the country. So uh, right off the bat, I kind of had some obstacles to go over, and then going through the process, going to these camps. Um, even though I thought I was performing pretty well, I didn't feel like I was getting the recogni- recognition that I deserved. And so that camp that I attended, that Nike uh, opening regional camp, I think it was, in uh, East Forum Park, New Jersey, the Jets facility. So that was really cool. And um, went out there and just wanted to do my best. I actually, the award I got was they do something called like a Nike Spark score, which takes a consideration of your height and weight and then your 40-yard dash, shuttle time, uh, explosive med ball throw, and a couple other measurables. And then that puts it into one composite s- score. And out of all the athletes there, I had the best score out of anyone. So didn't really expect that, especially since I was being a quarterback. Um, thought that there might be some other guys that uh, were a little more athletic than me, but that ultimately got me a lot of recognition and being a quarterback and showing that I have some athleticism. Uh, some schools definitely got more interested after that, and that's what kind of kick-started things for me. So – and you chose Penn State. You already mentioned that. Why? Because of the academics as well as being able to play football, social life, et cetera. And then you graduated in three years. You came in as a redshirt freshman, yes. right? Uh, so then you graduated in three years. What? What? Why? What's the rush? Why so, did you do that? So three and a half years is, is very doable um, for a lot of kids. You see a lot of kids coming in and doing that. 
And that's a combination of us pretty much being there all year round. So taking however many credits in the summer we were required to take at least one class. It's not, it's not a requirement anymore. I don't believe with the NCA over the summer. And after my first year, when I was admitted into the business school, I realized that I was kind of on track to get that done pretty handedly in three and a half years. And I thought, why not try to get, get it done a little faster, open up some more opportunities to go to school for a little longer. As long as I'm on scholarship, I'm going to school for free. So I'm going to get as much out of it as I can. So took a lot of classes over my past or the last two years I was at Penn State in the summers and then added on a class or two per semester as well. And about a year out from when I graduated, I realized this was really doable, sat down with my advisor, hashed things out that way and chose a path, stuck to it and ended up working. So very grateful for that. And um, it's a big accomplishment for me. And um, it went very well. Yeah, I would say. I mean, it's if especially it sounds like you did it, though, to open up new opportunities, right? So it's a, it's a really good segue into why you're here. I mean, we're yes. doing this in Lexington, Kentucky. As we mentioned, you're here, uh, graduate from Penn State. You, you came here to Lexington. So I want to I get into that a little bit. So first and foremost, I mean, why, why, are, why University of Kentucky? I mean, what's, what, what, why, how did that happen? Tell, yeah, give so, me the story here. So I was going back and forth uh, towards the end of my past season, Obviously, when I'm playing football in season, my main focus is the team and the game ahead and what's to do there. And then once the season ended, some decisions had to be made. I sat down with my parents, had some very tough conversations with both both the coaches at Penn State and my parents, deciding on what I wanted to do, whether it was to um, transfer and pursue opportunities elsewhere or continue um, competing at Penn State. And just went through a lot of pros and cons lists and a lot of tough conversations and ultimately came to the conversation or to the conclusion that um, trying to try my bat at a different school and be a starting quarterback somewhere where I can ultimately set myself up for my ultimate goal, which is to play in the NFL. Um, that was the best decision for me. And so I made that decision at the beginning, in the beginning of like the spring semester this past year. Um, then I started looking for schools. I wanted to give myself enough time because I knew after that semester I wanted, that's when I was going to make my move and talk to Kentucky. They were one of the first schools that reached out to me. So and, hang on a second. I want to, cause nobody knows how this works. So I mean, I mean, process, yeah. well, I mean, we, we, we can we read about it like, Oh, he declared his transfer, whatever yep. they call it. I don't know. I read that, that there was like this news headline, you declared your transfer status or something. Yes. But I mean, so, so you, at some point in time you, you wake up and some, maybe you just say, Hey, this is, I want to look elsewhere. Right. So we don't need to go into why or whatever, but you talk to your parents they're obviously big influences in your life. You kick it around, thinking about putting in for a transfer. So then, what do you do? I mean, you go into your coach's office and like, I want to talk to you about trans. Like, you're quitting. Yep. I mean, I mean that sounds bad, but I mean, you're sure. you're going in and resigning. Like, you're yes. giving your two week notice to your so, coach. So it's all on the athlete, and it's as simple as sending your school's compliance office. I think it's compliance. I'm not sure, but an an email saying what your um, intentions are, and then it's signing a form, and then you're in the transfer portal. It's called so. That's kind what of, it was. That transfer like, por- portal. Just as new as this whole NIL stuff is, this whole transfer portal thing is new as of last year. Um, just gives the athletes more of more freedom in terms of exploring their um, possibilities. Beforehand, it was like if you wanted to transfer, your coach could put a limit on what schools you were actually able to go to, and really? now all that. Yeah, it was, there's a lot of crazy rules um, beforehand, but. Luckily, as of these past couple of years, people have been able to explore new opportunities. I mean, you saw it with Joe Burrow. Obviously, he had a great um, opportunity at LSU, which turned into a great opportunity in the NFL. And there's a lot of uh, kids that have really benefited from it. And so that's all it is. As simple as that. You can make that email, and then you're done. But, I mean, 
obviously you want to approach it the right way. You don't want to just kind of go behind your coaches and, and do that on your own. I, I had a really tough conversation before I put my name officially in the portal. I had, I talked to coach Franklin. I talked to my offensive coordinator. I talked to the other coaches, told them my intentions. And then after that took the steps necessary to, to get that done. Does anybody try to talk you out of that or do they, I mean, what, what, what is that conversation like? I, I assume it's different for every player, but I think um, with me at Penn state, I was lucky enough that it was something that they could kind of, sense coming as a possibility so it mm. didn't necessarily catch them off guard obviously they were um, upset they would have liked to have me and um had some conversations to thoroughly go over um what might go wrong what what could go right and just at the end of the day i they understood that it's something that i'd mold over for a long time with my family and that it was a decision that i kind of um come final to and they were they were fine with that and they knew that there was the possibility that I, you can also take your name out of the portal. You can go back to your school. So mm-hmm. some kids have done that, but um, ended up obviously coming to Kentucky and just haven't looked back since. So let's let's go. So the name's in the portal, yes. and you now all of a sudden start having schools reaching out, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're emailing you or they're yes. calling. You. What do they do? Yes. I mean, how's it? It's like in the movies, and all of a sudden you get a cell phone exactly, call from yeah. the coach, and yeah, that, you're like, "How'd you get my number?" <laughs> yeah, that same night, I mean, started getting calls from schools, and like um, they legitimately call you. Yes, yeah. Like, no. they, how do they get your number? I don't know. I think actually no. In in the form that you send to uh, ah, in the transfer portal, okay. you put your contact information okay. in. So I had me my email, my parents' email, my parents' number is my number, and so that's how they get a hold of you. And every school has access to that database, and they can filter it. it by positions or schools, whatever year, and um, and that's how it happens. So you start getting phone calls. Yes. We're I mean coming. I'm sure it's public information, but you were getting information or schools calling from where all over the place. Yeah, all over the place, and. Um, it was kind of a quick process just because Kentucky was one of those first schools that reached out to me. Mm. And after sitting back and having that first conversation uh, with coach Cohen, it was, um, they instantly became like the school that was that even on your radar was like literally <laughs> who thinks, I mean, I thought of Kentucky cause I watched Keeneland yeah. and I knew I was yeah. a, admittedly, I'm going to say this on air. I was a Rick Pitino fan. Yep. So I was a Rick Pitino fan yeah. when he coached at Providence. I was a Billy Donovan yes. fan. I probably lost half yep. our audience right there, but <laughs> that's what put Kentucky on the radar yes. for me in upstate New York. So was this, Something you had thought about? Well, if you look at the scope of college football, you know what teams uh, could possibly looking or could possibly be looking for a quarterback, for a quarterback sure. and which teams are already have their guy. They have yeah. no they have no reason to really go and look for a quarterback, especially one that's going into their fourth year, opposed to maybe someone a little younger. And I knew that Kentucky was um, was losing their quarterback for that next year, and they're they, they're kind of at a question mark at the position. So I knew that could be a possible school that was going to reach out to me, and um, didn't really take it seriously per se until they did and then did some more research into it and ultimately found out that the opportunity didn't get much better than here. Yeah. And, um, so this was when, when did this specifically happen? I'm trying to get a timeline. It's like mid February, I think February of 2021. I think. Yes. Okay. So yeah. February, 2021, how quickly do you come for a visit? I visited, um, not until after I had committed actually. Oh wow. So I came, um, Maybe a month before I enrolled, but so I, you had never. Yeah, had you? Do you have any ties here at all? Not really. No, no. no. <laughs> this but, is awesome. But it's, it all, I love it. Yeah, this so is great. It, so, with my decision, I went going back to my high school decision, going to my undergrad and where, the first school I went to. This decision was strictly football related, pretty mm. much, and um, because that's what my goal is, that's what I kind of want to put my foot in the ground in and do and kind I love of that. And, and, cat fans go are going to love to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there's a lot of ancillary benefits for being here, by the way, other than football. Yeah. It's an amazing for place. Sure. Oh, I've, I've, I've learned that. I've learned that since then, but just the conversations I had with the coaches and then 
diving more into what the program is like, what their kind of values are, what the coaches really believe in. The offense we were going to run with Coach Cohen coming in was really uh, special to me. He actually recruited me a little bit coming out of high school, so I knew him a little bit. So I guess that's a connection. Okay. Um, he was at, I think, UMaine when I was so that's I read in New England. that there was a little history yep. there, yep. so that makes sense yes. now. Okay. And, um, he, he was at University of Maine? I think so. I think he was either there or... Uh, I had a cousin who played for University of Maine, believe it or not. Oh, a really? linebacker, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's the New England connection there. They yeah. would come by our school and recruit us a little bit. And then, obviously, he spent some time with, the, time with the Rams and then took the job at Kentucky and then made that connection, and um, it worked out really well. So they recruit you February. You committed when? A couple weeks later. Okay, so, yeah. so a short process. Yep. You committed, and then you come down for a visit in March? Uh, April, I think. April. Yeah. Yep. So did you get to Keeneland? I didn't get for a race, no. But no. I actually, when I came in to move in with my family, they helped me come. And uh, we took a tour at, Te- at Keeneland in the nice. morning and made some connections, um, got to meet a couple of the cool trainers, saw the horses like warm up. It's amazing. And, um, it's an awesome place. I'm yeah, looking yeah. forward to getting there oh, you'll in, love in October. It. Yep, yeah, for, for sure. sure. It'll be amazing. I mean, you went to Guatemala. Tell yes. us. I mean, yeah. I wanna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bounce around here okay. a little bit. Tell us about that. What, what, did, what were you doing down there? That was cool. So that was my uh, junior year spring break. Um, they give the opportunity to bring, I think, a group of maybe 20 kids at our school um, juniors and seniors, the opportunity to go down to Guatemala City and spend our time there, both helping teach at the local Catholic school, elementary school that we're partnered with down there, as well as helping build some houses for people in need. So I think we built a couple houses, two houses um, in this really cool part of Guatemala. It was a very enriching experience and helping out down there just really opened my eyes and gave me a great perspective on life and something that I wanted to do. I'd never been out of the continent, but or it's Central America, I guess, so it's still North yeah. America, but haven't been down there before. And to get to experience that area and um, do a little tourism too, that was awesome, but really was there to for the service aspect of it and was something that I was very grateful to. I do. tell you, I tell people um, all the time, my wife and I, we did a lot of work in Haiti uh, for years, for over a decade or so, terrible stuff going on there now. But um, what what changed for me, I'm curious if you found the same, was I never came back grateful for like McDonald's or anything like that. But what I came back grateful for was the opportunity to work or to, to succeed, right? Sure. Because it's so difficult to get ahead in that country or any country uh, sure. outside of the uh, outside of America and I'll tell you my empathy level for people who don't want to work hard you know is yeah. very low yeah. as it's sad to say but did you come back with a similar experience or what was your I, I never on thought that? about that that way I mean I think subconsciously I did I think I was more on the more material side that you mm-hmm. mentioned before that's the one thing like being able to go out to eat and, and spend some extra money on, on things that I didn't really need. That's really more what I've, I've felt of that, um, what you said, but just having that, um, just you on life and seeing how other people have to go through and really fight to live at the bare minimum for a day. Or, exactly. Every day, every day. It's unbelievable. And, and, and you're right. I mean, it, people might not realize the opportunities that are given to them. They might feel like they're, they're in a bad spot or in a, adverse situation but there, there's always going to be someone in a worse situation than you and they oh, need to get, have sure. that perspective okay you're now uh it's obviously common knowledge and obviously at least from my understanding you're the front runner but you're now battling for the number one spot to be the quarterback right so yes. what is that like 
Well, it's nothing new to me. I mean, for every year I was at Penn State, um, with the exception of my true freshman year, with uh, when Trace McSorley was our quarterback, and actually Kentucky ended up beating us in the Citrus Bowl that year. Um, the next two years, I was in that similar kind of competition um, with the, with the man who was in, uh, ahead of me. He's Sean Clifford. He's the quarterback there now. And every every camp, every spring ball, we kind of had that same competition going. They told us that the starter wasn't definite, and um, that we're just gonna have to work for it. And so it's nothing new for me. Um, it doesn't affect how you're gonna play. Obviously, actually, Trace um, made a really big impact on me my true freshman year. Even when I was the like fourth string quarterback at the time, he made it. He made the great point that you need to step into the room, step into the facility every day as if you are the starting quarterback. And that's how you establish yourself as a leader. That's how you have people look up to you and trust you. And I took that mentality with me throughout my whole career at Penn State. I'm going to take that with me for however many years I end up playing football as well. And um, I think that's just a great way to, to approach things. And as long as you do that, you're not going to short yourself preparation-wise. And if your name gets called, you're going to be ready. And I'm going to jump around here a little bit, but you have three years of eligibility Correct. left. And how did that work out? I mean, I, I, mean, yes. I, mean, I know one of them is because you redshirted as yep. a freshman. Yes. And then there was some COVID changes, right? Yes. So um, every athlete has four years of NCAA eligibility and with the ability to redshirt one of those years to gain yourself another year. So my, my true freshman year, my first year in college, I redshirted because I didn't, I didn't, wasn't going to play. I didn't see the field. And so that automatically gave me four more years and then had that one, the next year passed. And then the next year was the COVID year. And at the end of the year, the NCAA came out saying that they were going to give the opportunity for all student athletes to get another year of eligibility back. Um, therefore giving me a grand total of six years of eligibility um, only exhausted three of them at Penn State, so I have three more uh, left now. And you're enrolled in the what master's program? A master's in finance. So it's master's a one year. Science and finance. Yes, yes. I taught a class there oh, for really? a while. I don't yes. do it anymore. You probably have John Chait who teaches finance six eighty five, okay. which okay. you'll enjoy. Yes. They manage part of the endowment. So, oh, cool. Yeah, it, it's a good class. So, but that's a one year program, isn't yes, it? It's a one year program. So you're gonna get like your PhD. What are you gonna do? So, um, <laughs> I did say. I mean, uh, my main focus is football, so yeah. I want to spend as much time as I can focusing on that. So. In, I think, undergrad, the NCA makes you take 12 credits. And if you're in a grad program, I think it's only nine. So I'm going to take nine per semester, which would turn that one-year program into more of a one-and-a-half-year program, okay. therefore giving me some more time to focus on football. Yeah. And just per class, going to have some more time to focus on each of those classes a little more individually. So I haven't really hashed out my schedule yet. I need to actually get into the academic advisory office here pretty soon and, and see what class I'm going to be taking in the fall and then how that's going to pan out the rest of my time here. But ultimately, yeah, I will. I will have to pursue something else afterwards, yeah. um, assuming that this isn't my last year. Um, so once that time comes, it's going to be interesting to see what I end up doing. Well, we'll go moved into the NL, NIL discussion a little bit. Maybe maybe marketing could be your eventual because yeah, yes. you're going to have to. I was actually continue. deciding between the finance and the marketing. Okay, one, but, well, I'm glad yeah. you chose finance yes. for the time being, and then maybe marketing thereafter. All right, so. Uh, you want to go back to this this deal of the competition? So it has. I mean, I read your. I read as much as I could about you. There's a lot, obviously. You know, from Xavier High School and all the awards you had and uh, the things you've done. You have achieved some amazing things, and it seems like as I read the bios, you're. And don't take this the wrong way, but you're you're always under valued maybe they they like you got to prove yourself each and every time you're you're you know like you said you you went into the camp and you came out number one were you expecting that or did you just come in with a little bit of a chip on your shoulder does that make sense i mean you you've had this history of proving that you're better than you are so you're in that same situation right now 
let's say you fast forward, you you become the starting quarterback for University of Kentucky. And how do you keep that edge that you now you got it. Yeah. You're there. Yeah. But now you're not fighting for it because you got it. How do you keep that edge? It's just a natural edge that I think that every competitor has to take with them, whatever stage they are, whatever level of success they are. I mean, Tom Brady is one of my idols, someone I've looked up to. Obviously, being from New England, I'm a New England fan, so I'm a little biased. But you you always hear him talking about how he says he's doubted, he he's too old, like he he hasn't he's not going to win there or whatever. But he always seems to have that chip on his shoulder and always is looking for that next thing. The the, the best ring is the next ring, and mm-hmm. you want to have that mentality whether you're making your first start for a team when you're making your 100th start for a team and you're coming off a national championship. And that's the only way that you can continue, continue to have that competitive edge and to continually be successful at whatever level you're at. So you, in your mind, which I love to hear, you know, getting the starting job and leading the you know, Wildcats to victory, I'm not going to say an SEC title. That would be amazing. But like I said, I would say whatever success looks like on the field for, for, for the Wildcats – but what's going to drive you is, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna do it again next year, or we're gonna we're gonna. It's the next thing, right? Yeah. You're always putting that next yep. thing out there. One at a time, one at a time. Six second mentality. Average plays six seconds. You got you got to approach every play differently, every game differently, every week, every year differently. So, put put aside, put behind you what happened beforehand, and just focus on the next task. Yeah, I love it. All right, let's t- I'm gonna shift gears real quick and let's talk about future, and then we'll go into the NIL. So. You mentioned it already. Your ultimate goal is to play in the pros, right? I mean, that's the that's the trajectory. So, um, what does that look like? Is it in your mind? I mean, an unbelievable season at, at UK and enter the draft, see how it goes. What What are your thoughts? I think that historically speaking, um, typically with quarterbacks being drafted, they want at least uh, two years of being a starter. So you do see guys who've only started one year. I think. Most recent example would be like Mitchell Trubisky, or I don't know if I'm forgetting any, any other names, who only started one year, had a great year, and still ended up working for them. But I think realistically, it's probably going to take two for me, unless I do have some sort of incredible season that makes me a big draft draft prospect, which would be awesome. But um, just speaking realistically, that's probably what is on my mind right now. I'm going to play every game the same way, like I said before, but that is probably what it's going to take, and um, just planning things out, I think that's how it's going to go down. Well, I'm not even going to ask you what the alternative is, because, and I had it written down, but I'm not going to do it because <laughs> I've already gotten to know you in the short amount of time we've been together, and you are going to be a professional football player, so there's no question about it in my mind. So I'm not even going to introduce the question. So you mentioned Tom Brady. I have a random thing down here. Give me some of your other role models. I'd say definitely it's kind of like a cop-out answer, but like my dad, everyone says that, but it truly is. And my, and my mom. I mean, my parents were the ones to be by my side, uh, every step of the way throughout throughout it, and um, really showing me what good work ethic looks like, what it means to be a great family member, what it means to be a great husband, a great father to your children. So if even if it's not football, I can look to him and use him as an example of how to approach everyday life. So other than um, putting you athletes aside, your grandfather, yeah, for sure, my grandfather. So tell me about you. T- yeah, t- what tell, tell us about the tattoo on your arm? Yeah, so my grandfather growing up. He, he was famous for his long conversations he's had for us. I mean, I'd be an eight-year-old kid sitting down with him on the couch. All I want to do is play with my toys, but he wouldn't let me leave and telling me some grand scheme of life God me- metaphor or something. Yeah, that's all right. That's and, what grandpas are for. Back then, I'm, I'm kind of slashing the couch, not half paying attention. It took to when I took to be when I was a little more mature to realize how valuable these conversations were. And one is thing, he still alive? He actually passed. Oh. Um, Sorry last to hear July, that. so last July. Yes, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. So, um, no, he, it's, he had a great life, and my family um, was with him every step of the way. And 
Uh, but going back to the conversations I had with him, one of the things he always stressed to me, and this is kind of like my personal mantra, is just never give up. And I know people hear that all the time, but it's just never give up and just keep keep pushing, keep keep pursuing whatever goal you have in mind, and ultimately good things will come. And I've, I've kept that with me as, for as long as I, I can remember, and having those conversations with him even as he got older, as he started, as he started losing it a little bit, he'd still be able to sprinkle that in here every once in a while. Um, giving me gifts with like a little rock that says never give up or a poster or something else. But um, it was the summer I got to college. I was, I knew I wanted to get a tattoo. I didn't know what I wanted to get. And I, I knew it wanted to be, um, I knew I wanted to have purpose. And so I, I came across this first in a Bible study and it's second chapter Chronicles, second book of Chronicles, chapter 15, verse seven, which is, but as for you, be strong and do not give up for your work will be rewarded. And that is, um, it just clicked with me. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, Pat Pap's going to love this. Um, showed him and he, he loved it and ended up getting it. And, so he wasn't like, yeah. you got a tattoo? What the hell are you thinking? Yeah. He was yeah. all right with it. Yeah, no, my family was always against me getting a tattoo. Uh-huh. And, um, but as soon as they saw what it meant to me and um, that it meant a lot to my connect, my connection with my grandfather, they they were all for it. That's so. great. Yeah. Who, uh, I mean, let's let's not skirt around the football role model. So somebody, you mean, sounds like you had an influential coach in high school. Took, I mean, he was there a lot of the steps of the way. Who else in your life was was he influential? Who else or help help you get to where you are as a football player? Yeah, so my 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 co- or my high school head coach for my first couple of years, Coach Sean Marinan, he was pretty much the one who instilled in me what it means to have a good work ethic. And um, even as a freshman in the off season, as soon as the season ended, we're in the weight room on that Monday and we're expected to be there every day. And, it, and there aren't many high school programs that have that kind of mentality, but that was like a staple for us. It was like, if you don't, if you're not playing another sport, if you don't have anything going on after school, you're in the weight room, you're working out. And he's there. He was there every step of the way, watching over us and, and tracking our, our progress. And it just became second nature after that. And so he's definitely someone I have to, I have to thank as long as, as along with all the other high school coaches I had, my offensive coordinator, Greg Jascott, he was a great mentor for me and um, just a great friend of mine as well and helped me build my football IQ and, Helped me progress to a level in which I was able to play football at the Division One uh, level, and um, but those are two names in high school. Had a couple of teachers as well, um, guidance counselors that really helped me through um, any trials and tribulations I might come across. I had a religion teacher, uh, Greg Garrity, who I had for a couple of years, and he was always there along the way, giving those um, words of wisdom and just tidbits on life and stuff that I will never forget to this day. So. Um, those are some good. people that come to mind, yeah. That's good. Excellent. Um, so I want to switch gears a little bit, and we're one of the reasons we're able to do this is I reached out and I said, "Hey, why don't I pay you to come on to our podcast?" So I mean, I'm I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna uh, beat around that. You know, I I said, "Hey, I'll give you a few bucks to come on and and uh, uh, spend time with us," and that was that was allowed to happen mm-hmm. uh, because of the new rule from the NCAA, uh, the NIL for short, uh, name, image, and likeness. So um, this is a game changer. I mean, no pun intended, yeah. but it yeah. is a game changer. And what, what, it, what do you, tell us what your thoughts are on it. First of all, it's, it's, it's intimidating. I'm not going to lie. It's uncharted waters. It's something that um, I feel like this kind of first year of it, all, it's it's a lot of just touch and go. It's a lot of just trial and error. And uh, when I talk about NIL with other people, I talk about how kind of spur of the moment it was. I mean, Kentucky passed their um, state law just a couple of days before 
it became legal for us to do all these things. So we kind of heard the news and we're like, um, so like, what do we do? You know? So obviously we're able to make money through endorsements and through other opportunities like this. And, um, I think for a lot of us, it was just like, we don't know how to approach this. We had one little meeting with, um, Kentucky, um, but the day before it, it, uh, it all happened basically with some guidelines, some great, some great information about what we can and can't do. But at the same time, we didn't have any, um, guidance in terms of how to maximize our potential and, and what plans to make and, uh, what, what things you may or may not want to say yes to, even though every college student that since we haven't had this opportunity before, we want to take whatever money we can get. But at the same time, you have to realize what image, what effect that has on your, on your brand and your image. You don't want to just take anything that comes, comes at you because there might be a bigger thing later and that you don't want to muddy the waters that way. So, I mean, it, it makes my head spin. It still does. I mean, I've, I've took some takes, taken some time to kind of settle down and make a plan. My mom's been there and my dad's been there to help me a lot with that and to help me through what some decisions I want to make. But I think with a lot of kids at the beginning, it was, it was a lot of just like jumping at, jumping at it and taking anything that they can get. And I think that it was really necessary to kind of sit back and make a plan if you want to really make the most of it. So, so what does your plan look like? I mean, so you, so you did that. I mean, you got a a pretty decent Instagram following Mm -hmm. your Twitter, Twitter's decent. You got, you're like a TikTok superstar. I don't know. I don't know about that. Well, I mean, I don't know. I'm not even on TikTok. Yeah. Is he a TikTok superstar, Destin? Are you, do you know? Are you on TikTok? <laughs> I but you, I mean, you got the cannon arm, right? I mean, yeah. it's some videos on there that that blew up. But when, what's your plan? So How are you going to approach this? This is um, I really it was a pivotal moment for me because I wasn't really the type of person to kind of broadcast my life on social media. I didn't want to necessarily brag and like put videos out, put pictures out, just kind of be about me, 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 and is as bad as it sounds now, you kind of need to do that. I mean, there is now a direct correlation between your followers and your bank account now as a college athlete for now until the end of time, because this is going to just get more and more complex as it goes. And the opportunity for money is just going to be more and more found out for all of these companies that want to get involved with things like this. And because of that, I think that kids are going to start putting a lot more effort into their social media trying to figure out what their brand is, which I'm still trying to figure out right now, which has been a big process for me and capitalizing on that. And then in turn, trying to find companies and opportunities that align with those beliefs and align with that image. And so kind of figuring out what you want to do with your social media, how it wants to be out there, how you want to present yourself and how that aligns with, with your values and beliefs. Um, you really want to have a plan. I mean, if you don't have a plan, you don't know what you're doing and you don't want to just be another idiot with an opinion. You yeah. Know? And, um, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's very new. And a lot of these kids, um, haven't had the opportunity to kind of sit down and think about what that means. And I think that's why, um, for this first year or so, it's going to be really difficult to kind of figure out, like it's a lot of trial and error, like I said, but as things go on, hopefully that there are frameworks put in either by companies coming in, making, um, partnerships with schools, helping kids figure out what, they can do at their level. Everyone has a different level. The starting quarterback is going to have a different opportunities than, than a backup defensive mm-hmm. lineman or something and how to maximize your potential and what deals are um, doable for you in your, in, in your respective position. Because I think a lot of kids are just like, what am I worth? I mean, uh, someone reached out to me, like how much to do this, how much to post this. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. What is that? Mm. What is a post on my Instagram worth to me? What is a story worth? What is a shout out? Um, for a company or anything else worth to me. And um, I think 
you don't want to have companies take advantage of kids and who really will do anything for a couple bucks that a kid with 50,000 followers, a post for them is worth more than 20 bucks. And they got to yeah. realize that. So um, that's the next step. And that just also bringing back to financial terms, have, have helping kids figure out how to handle their finances once they are able to get this money. And I mean, I, I even though I graduated from Penn State and with a degree in finance, I've never paid taxes. I don't know how to file taxes. Like, I'm going to have to know how to do that now. You're going like, to have to know how to and do that. Kids, yeah. and, and, and anyone who makes money off of I anything I can tell like you this, we can help you with that. It's yeah. probably against the rules. It's pro- I'm sure there's some yeah. kind of rules that I can't tell you that yeah. I can help you with that. But There's just a lot of question marks and a lot of it's, – it's, it's exciting, but at the same time, it's um, – difficult and there's definitely some stuff that needs to be smoothed out well i'm going to tell you and i already told him this i mean one of my desires to bring you on and i'm look i'm a value investor right now I, I i buy investments for a living and i'm i'm i want to i'm trying to invest in you because if my read is correct uh you're going to be Phenomenal. I mean, you, I think you're going to be a standout. I think if you're not a University of Kentucky fan and you are watching this because you're a DIY money fan, you need to watch Kentucky football this year. It's real simple because this is going to be the starting quarterback. That's my view. I mean, we'll see what happens. I think he's going to be the starting quarterback. I think he's going to do an amazing job. I think if you've never been to Kentucky, what you don't understand is I don't care if we're mediocre. We got amazing fans. So if you take our amazing fans and you actually give us an unbelievable football team, it's going to be absurd. And I could see that happening this year at University of Kentucky. So why I did this was I believe – Put all that together, you probably have one of the best NIL paid athletes sitting right here. I, being an investor, being, I think I see things somewhat clearly as as they evolve, opportunities, etc. This is going to be one of the largest, fastest growing markets in the sports industry by far. I am shocked, mark my words, you might already be in the pros, you know, doing your your licensing deals and so forth, but we will have NCAA athletes signing seven-figure contracts. I have no doubt in my mind. And the first company that does it, I think, will get the biggest bang for the buck. Because the minute they do that, it will be on every single media outlet, I mean, everywhere. And so we're going to see it. It's going to happen. My question to you is, and this is this is not just for you, but this in in, gen, in in general, can kids handle that? That's it. Goes back to what I was saying. How I think it's even though we are adults, it is something that's very new to a lot of these kids. And hopefully, that in in the near future, there are frameworks put into place, whether by the university or by corporations that come in and offer, um, whether classes or just. I don't know, just some um, support on that end. And it's going to come a lot with agencies getting involved. And I mean, I actually recently signed with a marketing agency. It's going to help me a lot with just putting my brand out there. And uh, luckily, a lot of these agencies are approaching it the right way and that there aren't a lot of um, strings attached. It's very, very open, very flexible. And it's more so just them helping us and having our brand connected to them, which helps them as well. But um, I think that it, there are definitely some some struggles that are be going to be undertaken, and it's only going to kind of be more smoothed out, like I said before, once those programs are implemented. And um, it's going to be tough for guys to figure out on their own. 
at the same time, you don't want to be paying someone for something that you can do on your own. You don't want to have someone handling your money if you know how to how to do that on your own, just as any investor knows. So, hence um, we have a podcast called yeah. DIY Money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so I want to uh, we'll, we're coming into the conclusion here, but I want to I want to wrap up on a few personal things from from your your financial acumen. So you graduated finance degree. You have said you've never paid taxes, so uh, you know that's going to be new for you and so forth. But talk to me about what, what you know, a lot of football has been discussed around your kitchen table. A lot of soccer, lacrosse, or whatever else the sisters are playing, or baseball or basketball, whatever you were playing at the time. What about money? I mean, finance ever talked around the the Levis family kitchen table or what? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, actually, I was talking to my parents a little bit about just with setting up like a personal portfolio and I, I've had that going for me for a little bit, but I still don't really know what I'm doing with it. I mean, I have it pretty much diversified and it's a long term hold type deal and haven't been making many active investments, but um, it's not something my parents are pretty well versed in. We'll send each other articles here and there to kind of uh, help us stay in the loop with what's going on. But um, with financials, it's something that is very just kind of flexible and we have good conversations about it, but it's nothing that's set in stone and, it's more so with me whenever I come across something because I'm pretty a little bit more in tune with them. I'll help them out if anything as well. So, so you're not there yet. I think you will be. It'd be wonderful if you are. I'd love to follow your your superstar career. Why do you think so many pro athletes basically go broke? We actually had a really good conversation. Um, Michael Haddix. He just came out with a new app um, called uh, Elevate, and it's pretty much like a it's in tune for college athletes, and it's very um, bite-sized information about personal finance and how to approach things that you might come across as a pro athlete. And they've partnered with, I think, like Travis Kelsey um, and a few other like NBA, NFL players who have gone through their personal stories and their stuff that they've gone through, and pretty much telling them, telling people what not to do to get into those situations. And we had a cool presentation about kind of what an average NFL salary looks like, how it's broken down, and how much is usually left over and how easy it is to reach that limit um, without even realizing it with all of the, the, the costs that you might not realize um, up front. And I think it comes down to having a plan, like I said before, and sticking to that plan. And it's as simple as that. And if you have that plan and, and, and hash it out at the beginning of the year, knowing what your salary is going to be, knowing what you're going to be taking in, um, leaving yourself some extra room to bring in other money, whether through marketing opportunities or branding things like that, um, you should be fine. But I think that it's just those people who don't have a plan and don't stick to it, and that's where the, the major problems come It's difficult because it's a short window. I mean, the career the, the the career of an NFL ball player is three or four years at most. I mean, do you know? I think the, it's, actual... the average is, is three years. Yeah, so three to four years. It's a very you know short stint of potentially a lot of money, and then you live the rest of your life. And if you get accustomed to this lifestyle of you know these checks coming in, uh, you can. I've heard you know direct conversations I've had with folks that have been in those positions, and it becomes very easy to change your lifestyle to feeling you're going to be able to make this forever and then things change and that's not the case. And so, yeah, I mean, we have a saying on DIY money. In fact, we close every podcast with it, live on less than you make 
you know, invest the rest and do so for a very long time. And there's no difference. I don't care whether you're a high-paying executive, you're an NFL player, NBA, it makes no difference. I mean, you've got to keep that in perspective. And it probably is very difficult because I would imagine once you get there, the cars, the, the, the houses, the lifestyle, et cetera, is, is a draw. It has to be, I'm sure. All right, uh, I want to conclude, but I want to give you an opportunity. Is there anything that you want to share with, you know, the, the Wildcat Nation, the folks at home, the DIY tribe? I mean, anything you want to talk about that, that we want to conclude with? I'd just say for Wildcat Nation, be ready for a great football season. we got a great team. Uh, I haven't been able to actually be, be on the field to play with them yet, but I know that we got something special. been able to watch the film for the, the spring and just been very impressed with the individuals that we have. And I think that if we just pull it together and we have that right mindset, we're, we're going to be able to do some great things. So just stay tuned, and hopefully we can bring, bring home some wins and a championship for you guys. Will, I really appreciate you coming in. It really means a lot to me. It will it will be even better as we follow your career, and I, I'm interested to keep up with you about your NIL deals and your struggles with the financial aspect. And you know, when you file your tax, you know, I, I really want if, you, if you're okay with that. I really want. I think that the people will find great value with seeing how this progresses with you, your career. I think you're going to do great things. We wish you all the best for sure. So I really appreciate you coming in. All right. Remember, friends, I don't care whether you play in the NFL, the NBA, or whatever, have a part-time job at Starbucks, live on less than you make, invest the rest, and do so for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get a $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.